guys i thought i might not um oh so there with me yep yeah oh, my, my, my twitter says looks like connection was lost reconnecting so i couldn't tell i was worried i wasn't gonna make it i had you know, just got a 12 dollar doordash delivery i wasn't sure if i'd get back <laughs> <laughs> it's life-changing money Man, I have to be careful. Those the little comments that I make in passing on this podcast on this oh, space, yeah. apparently they'll come back to bite me. I wasn't aware. <laughs> People are listening. <laughs> and they will <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Was that how that all started? It was that comment? Yeah. Um, oh man. It was it was on here last week, and I was just like, it was Dave. Dave was talking, and I just made a passing comment where I was just like, yeah, Dave. Dave made a good point there, which is when you factor in the cost of driving, because driving a car is so expensive, stuff like Uber and DoorDash, you you might not even make minimum wage. And now you're public enemy number one. And then it just like DoorDash Twitter came after me hard, <laughs> real hard, and you know. Because of my notorious scams, because of the grifting I do, because of my yeah. guru status on here, that made me an easy target, I think. Clearly, you're trying to sell a course about how to not be a dashboard driver. Yeah. And so that's the, yeah. We'll see, if it, we'll see if it comes up today, but something I was thinking about was, like, it's the way that people reacted when doctors were first like, hey, guys, uh, smoking can give you lung cancer. They're like, no, I've been smoking for 30 years. I'm fine. Look at this one anecdote of my Aunt Ethel who smoked till 100 and died of natural causes. Like, she's fine. It's like, if the doctors are trying to help you, just you can at least listen, you know? That's kind of how I felt. Um, not saying that I'm doing anything nearly as positive for the world. <laughs> saving people from lung cancer. Dr. Twitter is going to come after you now. Yeah. <laughs> MD Twitter is about to come down hard on me. I'm sure that's a thing. <laughs> MD Twitter. Yeah. I'm sorry I got you into that, Jesse. That's funny. <laughs> no worries, man. No worries. I got your back. They just got to run the numbers, right? That's the whole thing. Run your yeah. numbers. If you're making money, great, man. More power to you. Just know that most people probably aren't. That's yeah, some, of them, some of them sent some decent-looking data sets. As decent as you can over like a single tweet, which isn't isn't great, but at least some of them are like, "Hey, I've been tracking all my driving for the last six months, and I'm I'm grossing eighteen dollars an hour and netting, you know, fourteen. Okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah, but yeah. Um, What's up, hogs? Hey, hey, Shadow. Shadow. Um, since we're on a slightly constrained timeline tonight do you guys just want to kick this thing off and people will join in the next few minutes as they join sounds yeah, good to me go. we have all six of us here cool so hello everybody and welcome to up and to the right our weekly twitter spaces where we discuss investing personal finance and any idea that helps us understand the world of money today we'll be talking about college but before we get into the details let's go around the room and introduce our speakers 
Uh, tell us who you are, speakers, and what you specialize in on Twitter. So first, let's go to Shadow. Good evening, guys. Shadow Rents on Twitter. I specialize in rural real estate. I'm the one in the group that believes that real estate and uh, assets should be tangible and not fake Bitcoin like all you other crazy guys. <laughs> Thank you, Shadow. Roger, you go next. Hey, everybody. I'm Roger Upshot Wealth here on Twitter. Uh, I basically talk everything finance and really focus on getting you to a healthy retirement by basically sharing tips and my experiences that I've learned throughout the years. That's kind of my goal. Thanks, Roger. Brandon, how about you? Hey, so I run a blog called Winky Do Finance, and my goal is bringing finance to the masses. So I cover a lot of you know general investing and career-related topics. Thanks, Brandon. Hey, Dave, how about you next? Hey, hi, everybody. My name is uh, David, uh, or Dave. It's, you guys will call me here. My um, handle is Uncommon Yield. Um, so my, my whole thing is to try to maximize financial systems, make them as profitable for you as possible. Uh, I love magic internet money that uh, Shadow hates. I love Bitcoin and other crypto. Um, so if you want to maybe have like a different, uh, different view of finances, um, something that's a little bit different than just index funds and bonds, then, then I'm your guy. Cool. Thanks, Dave. Hey, Adam. Hey, guys. What's going on? Um, Adam, I use... What's that? No, no. My fault. My fault. Bad intro. You're up, Adam. <laughs> All good. Yeah, so I'm Adam Schaup, obviously. I use... I'm pretty boring. I use my name, my handle. But uh, yeah, I'm here basically documented our journey to pay off about $32,000 of um, bad debt. And now I'm kind of documenting the back other half of that journey where we're, you know, investing and my wife and I are getting ourselves into a situation to um, hit financial independence. Very cool. Thank you, Adam. Uh, my name is Jesse Kramer at best interest underscore JC on Twitter. I run a blog, podcast and a financial advisor newsletter service called the best interest link is in my bio and our seventh musketeer is usually oh hi andy but he is busy tonight streaking through the quad heading down towards the gymnasium and this week we are taking a deep dive on the topic of college expenses when it's worthwhile when it's not and so on if you guys have questions for us feel free to send us dms and we'll try to get your questions although we are on a slightly constricted timeline tonight, so we might not have a ton of time for questions at the end. We'll see how far we get. But I think our first expert speaker tonight, we're going to hand it over to Brandon, Rinky Do Finance. Brandon, take it away. Cool. Thank you. So I just wanted to run through quickly some numbers regarding you know, going to college. I'm, on, I'm firmly on the side that the average person should go to college. And, and here are some quick numbers as to why. So first of all, According to the Lumina Foundation, college graduates on average will earn $32,000 more each year than those who only have a high school diploma. So over the course of an entire career, this can translate into $625,000, which is a life-changing amount of money for someone to be bringing in. Second is that uh, college graduates face lower unemployment rates. So following the 2008 financial crisis, college graduates in the United States faced an unemployment rate of 6.9%. Meanwhile, those who didn't have college degrees faced an unemployment rate of 15.8%, and that's according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. 
And during the COVID-19 pandemic, a similar trend held true. So those who didn't have a high school diploma, uh, their unemployment rate hit 21.2%. Those with only a high school diploma, 17.3%. Meanwhile, those which, with a bachelor's degree and higher was 8.4%. So college graduates also face lower poverty rates. So those with no high school diploma, the poverty rate, according to the University of California, Davis, is 29%. Meanwhile, those with a bachelor's degree or higher is 5%. And lastly, one more point is that the value of a college degree has actually increased over time, which I think might catch a few people off guard. Um, median wages at various levels in 2012 dollars, which was when the, when the data came out. In, in So let's first look at 1965. So those with a, a high school diploma you know, adjusted for 2012 earned 31,384%. In 1984, those with a bachelor's degree or higher earned $38,833. Now, jumping forward to 2013, those with a high school diploma but nothing else earned $28,000. Meanwhile, those with a bachelor's degree or higher earned $45,500. So the gap has actually widened, interestingly enough. So the, in my opinion, the data kind of supports the average person going to college just because on every me metric imaginable, from earnings to unemployment rates, poverty rates, to the actual um, you know, discrepancy between earnings growing, it all points in that direction, in my opinion. Thanks, Brandon. I was trying to track that those salaries that you listed out. So did the, the high school salary went down over that time period, but over that same equivalent time period, the college graduate salary went up? Was that exactly. right? Exactly. Yep. Okay. okay. So that's that gap widening. Thanks, Brandon. That was a, that was a great way to start the conversation. Um, maybe we'll pass it over to, to Adam, because I know you have a, a college debt story, Adam, and I think you might have some good thoughts to add here. Yeah, so I mean, mine's just pretty simple. It's basically, you know, I'm in I'm in the pro camp college. You know, I'm I'm never gonna tell you know tell a large group to just skip it and try the entrepreneurial route without you know getting some uh, a degree as a backup. But I think one thing to consider, one strong thing to consider, and it's hard for an 18 year old to you know kind of more or less know exactly what they want to do with their life. And so you kind of have some issues where kids go into college and they kind of flounder around and switch degrees. And, you know, ultimately the price of that degree ends up being a lot more expensive than, you know, what it would have been had you got in and out in four years. Um, and that's kind of what the case was for me is it took me about five and a half, well, you know, almost six years to finish my four year degree. Um, and so I would just really consider or strongly advise kids before they are, are 18 year olds, not really kids anymore, before they jump into college is to really think about what you want to do. And if you don't know, it's fine just because there's a lot of prereqs that can apply to different degrees. Um, I know, you know, College of Medicine, College of Business, College of uh, Engineering, there's still some overlap. So you have a little bit of time, but there is no, you know, either pressing pause or delaying the start. Um, of going that route just because, you know, if you get three years into a program, you know, like accounting, like I graduated with, and then you realize that you don't want to do that for forever, don't like the degree, you know, it can get, it can get really costly in the long run to switch. And so I'll always sit with the, the pro college camp, but um, 
just some things to consider before you, you know, dive in, dive in and start taking on student loans and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, same, same camp here, Adam. I think it makes the most sense for the most people. Uh, Dave and Roger, I know you guys had some additional some quantitative data that you wanted to share with us tonight. So maybe Dave, do you want to go first and talk about that uh, chart that you tweeted earlier today? Yeah, sure, Jesse. So I, you know, I was just curious, you know, college loans are such a big, uh, big thing for a lot of people, you know, it's going to college is so expensive. So I just wanted to see for like a couple of different careers, um, if they finance their tuition a hundred percent, you know, how would that, how would they shake out versus, um, people that didn't have a college degree? So I looked at the Bureau of Labor Statistics. I looked at, um, people that didn't have a college degree, uh, the, the 25th percentile to the 75th percentile, kind of what that range was. And then I looked at uh, like a teacher salary and an engineer salary. Um, so according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, a teacher makes $60,000 a year is the median salary and an engineer makes $80,000 a year for median salary. Uh, I assumed uh, an in increase of uh, wages flat across everybody. It's probably not true, but just is for, for example purposes. And then I applied, um, looked at the loan balance and it looks like the average loan had about a 5.8% interest rate, which is incredibly high. I was really lucky I didn't have any, any student loans. So I don't know if that sounds right, but it was very, very high. And the term was 10 years. Um, and I just looked to see, all right, did you make more in career earnings at the end compared to your peers that didn't go to college? And, <laughs> The, the thing that is interesting is for the teacher that went to a private school, so private schools are about almost four times as expensive as public universities, uh, they made uh, about the same as the high wage earners that didn't go to college. So I just think you just need to be um, careful. Just my, my, my takeaway, and this has kind of been always my observation, I was lucky, you know, I went to engineering school. I'm not an engineer now, but it opened up a lot of doors for me um, just because of, of what I did, uh, because of my degree. So it really pays to get as technical of a degree as you can. Um, you know, just getting a, a standard Bachelor of Arts, of Arts degree is probably not going to help you a whole lot. Um, and I think, you know, it's, and if you are going to do something like teaching, which is a good and open profession, um, you're probably not going to make a lot of money. So it doesn't really benefit you to go to a really expensive school. Uh, you just need to be really careful. Like, unless you're trying to be a, a real top tier lawyer or, um, you know, be a, you know, the president someday, you know, you, you probably don't need to go to, to Harvard or Yale. Just go to a solid in-state school uh, and you'll benefit a lot from, from doing that. Excellent. Thank you, Dave. Uh, some great points. Um, yeah, I, I want to talk to you more, Dave, sometime about engineering school, but maybe today's not the right time. So let's go to Roger. Roger, why don't you go through some of your data and then I think we'll head over to some shadow or some, uh, some uh, conflicting ideas, or some devil's advocate thoughts. So Roger, well, why don't you I'll, go into I'll, I'll add a couple of points to what Dave mentioned. Um, a couple of things that come to mind are like, sometimes people write off going to community college. For example, even if you're gonna get your four-year degree, I mean, you save a lot of money going to a community college for two years, and then doing your last two years at whatever university you wanna go to, right? So like, it, it all comes down to, in my opinion, like, what are you studying and trying to get, like, bang for your buck? Another thing, too, is, like, are you planning to study in-state versus out-of-state? 
right? Are you, can you take advantage of, let's say, living with your parents or something like that, you know, and saving costs there? So it's like, there's ways that you can make college less painful from, with regards to like the cost, you know, it's just a matter of, do you want to go through all that, right? And then aside from that, there's a, I actually tweeted this out probably back in February. I just retweeted it today. Um, There is a website called college basically there's a a tool called college scorecard which is actually created by the u.s department of education and basically it gives you information on how to find relevant data on the potential debt and earnings based on your field of study and this includes things for like two-year programs four-year degrees certificates uh, graduate programs Um, the actual website is collegescorecard.ed.gov And the reason why I think this is important to point out is um, because you have basically here access to determine what the average earnings and average debt is for the existing school grad for the existing school graduates for your chosen uh, field of study are are doing. So it basically, for example, say you wanted to study computer engineering, you could compare that field of study against the schools you're interested in. In attending, thus allowing you to compare what the average student makes in pay when they graduate and the average debt average debt they have after graduation. So it kind of gives you an ability to kind of shop schools not only on the degree that you want, but which schools essentially give you the most bang for your buck and hopefully actually lower the amount of debt you, you take on to get the exact same degree. Um, kind of to what uh, Dave mentioned, um, I mean, I, I actually have a degree in, in, in computer science, and while it's, it's definitely helped me in getting jobs, and it's and definitely been a requirement in certain jobs I've applied for in the past, um, I don't ever recall someone going to me and saying, "Oh, you you went to this school or that school." It's been like it's always, it's kind of been more like a checkmark type deal. Um, so that, that's something to at least that's my been my personal experience on it. Thanks, Roger. What, what was the name of that tool again for anyone who's looking to yeah, uh, it's write out? Co- it's collegescorecard.ed.gov, and it's cool. made by the U.S. Department of Education. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that with us, Roger. And, yeah, uh, and, if, and if you go to my, yeah. if you go to my um, timeline, you can see it on there. I have a thread on it. Excellent. We'll check it out. Shadow, let's go over to you next and hear some of your uh, devil's advocate thoughts. Yeah, so not a big fan of college anymore. I went to college. I got a four-year degree, a bachelor's degree in nursing. It did good for what I needed, but at this time, I'm not using it. I haven't used it for four years. So, you know, as I'm going through life, I was wondering that it was even worth it. Did it help me out? Sure. Did it give me a steady job? Yes, but it wasn't needed. So as I was kind of looking through um, – some articles to kind of, you know, prep for our talk here, came across an article saying, um, when is paying for college not worth it? And I had a a few topics here of when it's not worth it. Um, one was saying that you might not need it to get the job that you want, that, uh, 43% of college grads are working a job that doesn't even need a degree, which I thought was interesting. Another statistic, 51% of Americans who pursue education beyond high school consider changing their degree and uh, have regrets of choosing that 
degree they chose. And at 62% of college students, um, only only 62% finish the degree within six years. So a lot of money, a lot of time wasted when, when that doesn't even need to happen. So, you know, some alternatives, uh, two big ones that I, I think huge is one military, uh, shout out to the veterans and appreciate all your service, but um, GI bills, right? So they're getting college expenses paid there, saving 50, 100, $200,000. Uh, over the course of their college career through that GI Bill, just by putting off that education just a little bit. And um, trade school. So, you know, the the older my kids get, the more I would encourage my son to consider trade school. Um, when you think about standard jobs that need a college degree, such as social work or, um, you know, some counseling services, I do know those are four to six years. A lot of places require that master's degree in, in counseling or social work, even for jobs. And I know master's level social workers making 36000 a year. Well, trade school, you're starting off, you know, let's talk about electrician. Median pay is 56000 A pipe fitter median pay is 55000 Um Plumber medium is, is 55 as well. Uh, electrician, 56. Pipe fitter, 55. Yeah. Uh, heavy heavy equipment mechanic, 53. Dental hygienist says it's median salary, $76,000. So these are all uh, shorter uh, trade schools, you know, six months, two years, whatever that, uh, whatever each one requires. And then you're making money on the job too as you climb the ladder from an apprentice to journeyman to master. That money's just climbing each time. So a lot of alternatives to college. And I'm not sure that college is the right fit for everybody anymore, and I don't think it needs to be. I definitely agree with that statement. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's for everybody. I don't think everyone needs to do it. And I like the points that you brought up, Shadow. Yeah, I think unless you have a defined thing that you really want to go do, um, you know, I, I think it, it, I, I agree, you know, there, there's a lot of options where you can go and you can serve your country and then learn, learn a lot of skills there or, you know, just work a normal job and then kind of figure it out. You know, I think there's a lot of pressure for people to go, go to work, right, go to school right away. And, and that, that's just not right for everybody. The older I get, the more I realize I think real world experiences trumps any education. And I think we all say that, to be honest. But, you know, business degree, is it worth it? Or can you just go out and start a business and learn from there? Um, you know, coding, do you really need some kind of computer design class? Or can you teach yourself? I would really t make people or, or ask people to really consider those things before they're dropping fifty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000 on those programs. Is it something you can learn yourself uh, on your own? Yeah, I think something we can probably all agree on, too, is that the value of many degrees is like getting your foot in the door. And from there you can build the experience that um, you need. Like I, for example, I studied journalism, which I'm sure is at the top of most people's like most useless degrees, but um, it, it wasn't even a degree. Actually it was a, it was a, um, a diploma at a community college, which was the thing I did. Right. It was, it only took me three years and didn't cost that much. But um, it still got me in the door to do a lot of things and took me down some interesting paths I won't get into. But getting my foot in the door was the real value and then being able to build. By, by using that word, getting your foot in the door, are you meaning networking or getting to try things? So, Which one are you leaning Actually getting the first job. So when I got my first job in, in 
marketing as a writer, the fact that I studied journalism was super helpful. And then from there, I was able to learn, you know, various aspects of web development from working at a marketing agency and all these different things. So, but I don't know if it would have happened if I, for that specific job, I know it wouldn't have happened if I didn't have that on my resume, basically. Yeah, I see a lot of people saying that the networking aspects or the relationships they built in college really kind of catapulted them uh, to a level they wouldn't have been without it. But then I would also, devil's advocates, say that there are other opportunities to network. Um, Twitter, you know, with us guys is, is huge now. Um, local civic groups, I, I think there's a lot of ways to, to network that doesn't require college anymore, even even LinkedIn as trash as it is, is, is a good place. And, and I think there's other ways than the college to miss or to, to get that networking that you would miss if you didn't go. I think that really depends from a networking standpoint. So if you go to Harvard, right, you're going to be around all the future leaders of the world. Um, if, if you're just going to try to, to, to just start and get your foot in the door, like you're, you're probably not going to meet a ton of, the, the next leaders of the world at community college. So it just, and there's nothing wrong with community college. It's just, it probably just really depends on like well, where, where you go. Um, that's where the caliber of the school, I think really, really matters from that standpoint. Yeah. I'll agree completely. There, there's a whole aspect to education that's separate from what you're actually learning in class. So Adam, I know Adam had a, a tweet the other day that kind of went semi-viral where he was just asking, you know, college, worth it or not. And one thing I pointed out was that MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, you can take a ton of their courses online for free, but you can't get the degree from MIT for free. So as a society or as an economy, we place a value on the degree itself that's separate from the value we place on the education um, because I, I guess I don't really know all of the reasons why. I think some of it is that the degree just says, yes, I, you know, I did this, I went here for four years and I could complete it. And that's the thing that employees value. So I think from Brandon's point of view, and I experienced it as well, where my employer would not have hired me as a mechanical engineer unless I had the two degrees in mechanical engineering that I have. You know, I could have taken the same courses at MIT and learned the same exact things, but the degrees are what made the difference, at least in my case. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that changes. You know, so I was just looking at, I was curious. So I went to a big state school, um, at the a Big Ten school in my state, you know, flagship school. And it was, I think, $12,000 in tuition. And I went from what, 2003 to 2008. I just checked, like, room and board now. And tuition is like $27,000 a year, which is just outrageous um, for a public school, uh, even even a good public school with that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how employers change. You know, I think Google has started trying to look at um, folks that are developers a little bit differently. You know, do they actually have the skill set or do they have the degree? You know, because that's, I, I work with a lot of technical folks. I hire technical people. And people can say and do, I say a lot of the right buzzwords, but until you get them in front of the computer, you know, can they actually uh, do what they say they can do? Um, so I think that'll be really interesting. As college has gotten so much more expensive, there is so much more um, ed free educational resources out there. You know, will, will employers change their their tactics to maybe 
attract new um, talent. I think it. I think it would make sense for him. A couple of quick data points I just saw on that, Dave. So from 1980 to 2000, college costs rose on average seven percent per year. So that's 20 years, 1980 to 2000, seven percent per per year. From 2000 until today, they've risen on average 11 percent per year. So way wow. way more than inflation. That's it's pretty crazy. Wow. Well, if you if you think about it too, it's because a lot of these schools now. They're basically in an arms race, you know, facilities arms race with one another, trying to attract, you know, future students. And so, you know, now, especially on my campus in Nevada, it was, you know, new gym, new library, new, you know, academic education center, new this and that. And so a lot of it, you know, these expenses aren't necessarily going directly to, you know, improving the education, but improving the facilities that kind of attract students to come in. So that's, that's that's my my point on or my take on why or partly why the expenses have kind of rapidly increased. Yeah, I see it here locally too. There's like all the administrative costs are going up, and it is interesting. I think from a macro point of view, zooming out a little bit, I've read some articles in the last couple of years about how some smaller schools, especially small private schools, are having a really hard time fighting that arms race. Adam, um, like up here in New York State, we have a few like you know somewhat famous longtime private schools uh, like you know in the finger lakes in in the adirondacks in these rural places really pretty countryside picturesque campuses and they're like yeah we're going to be out of business in five years 10 years 15 years because we can't attract the students anymore and we're getting outgunned by you know su syracuse university and the big suny schools and that kind of thing uh, and I think that's happening all around the country. It's a little separate from this conversation, but it's an interesting side effect of these rising costs. At this point, um, I know we're running, we, we have to cut off a little bit early tonight, but do you guys want to open up the floor for maybe a couple questions? Do you guys have five or ten minutes to answer some questions? Sure, let's, let's do it. Cool. Now, I actually don't have any questions waiting for me in the DMs. So listeners, if you have any questions, feel free to DM me or DM any of us or uh, request microphone access from Roger. Um, in the meantime, I did look up a couple other interesting stats that I thought they're, they're kind of qualitative in nature and not quantitative in nature. It's similar to what Brandon started off with saying. So this is from uh, a website called College Factual. And they, they basically report college graduates are happier and more satisfied with their work in the long term. Brandon man mentioned this one. They're less likely to be unemployed. I also thought these were interesting. They're less likely to divorce. They are likely to live longer lives. And they are likely to be healthier. However, those positive experiences come with a price tag and a risk because if students don't graduate, then actually many of those positive outcomes are negated. And in some of the student loan articles that I've written for the best interest, one stat that really jumped off the page at me is that the current student loan crisis revolves around students who have borrowed money for college but then actually don't finish their degree. Those people are some of those who are suffering the most from student loan issues because, say, they borrowed 60 k they dropped out after their sophomore year, and now they're making $14 an hour at Home Depot trying to pay off that debt. And I, I really hadn't thought of that cohort before. I thought it was, you know, the teachers who had borrowed $100,000. 
yeah, they, they're in trouble too, but there aren't as many of them as dropouts who are in debt. Just an interesting stat. Yeah, what's, what was interesting to me, I was looking at this and I'm trying to find the numbers, um, but the, like, the, you know, how wide reaching the student loan crisis is, I think, is a little overstated. Like, it definitely affects certain people and, and certain groups of people, but the vast majority of students are still able to pay off their loans. It's just, you know, the people that can't are in a very dire situation. I'm trying to find the percentage, but. I was looking at that a few weeks ago. Hey Jesse, I got the defensive investor. He wants to chat a little bit. Yeah, let's let's do this and let's make this. I mean, I know we're all we're probably trying to sign off at nine thirty. Let's make this the one question, and then we'll we'll end the show. Go ahead, defensive investor. Uh, uh, whenever you have speaker access, I think you ought to be able to speak now. Oh, hey guys, how you doing? Hey, great. Hey, no, um. Good. I was listening to you guys about the college. One of the things that I might want to input and say is, or ask about is going to a college in-state versus going to a college out-of-state. Because I'm currently in my second year as a civil engineer student, and the tuition is about fifteen to 16000 for in-state students. And I have classmates that are from New Hampshire, just which is just right across the border, and they're paying $43,000 a year for the same degree that oh I'm doing, which I think is ridiculous. So what do you guys, what's your take on doing that? Our, our approach of getting it down? Because I was thinking, Maybe if if in a case like that, you could just move to the state for a year and live there and become a resident rather than paying almost three times the normal tuition. Yeah. I, I, for, for me, it's like, unless there's a reason that that school out of state and that cost somehow justifies a particular job that you have lined up or something to that effect i just i have a hard time personally seeing why it's worth it or why people pay out-of-state costs um i get it changes your college experience but that college experience comes with a huge cost and, and going back to your point jesse on 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 loans i think a hard time too is that you have so many 18 19 20 year olds getting loans and they have absolutely no idea how compounding works against you right that's a big part of it as well and how easy it is to get these loans. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people, you know, like the, the, how quickly your brain develops from 18 to even like 25 and, and not far after changes a lot. I don't think very many 28 year olds would make that deal, like going out of state to pay that much more. So I, I think it's a situation where you can very quickly come to regret that. And I think, you know, pushing 18 year olds to make those sort of decisions is not the best. It, it could also be just a, also a way of just not being aware, right? Like for example, you're more focused on going to a particular school and not so much, maybe you're not thinking so much about what it costs you to do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, 
we we actually had that a lot going to school in Nevada. Um, obviously, the, the cost of tuition at California schools is like uh, pretty pretty insane at just about every single one. So we had a lot of kids who did what just what you said. The defensive investors they would move to Nevada, either Vegas or Reno. You know, get become a state resident, pay that one year of out of state, and then you know, pay in-state tuition at, at a Nevada school. So I think it really just kind of depends on the situation. Like I, I went out of state from my school. I grew up in Washington and then moved to Nevada. But luckily here we had a program called the, uh, I believe it's called the Western Undergraduate Exchange, where if you met some SAT pre requirements and some GPA stuff, then you could basically get, you know, in-state and a quarters, I think is what it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think part of the issue with going out of state is a lot of people fall or kids at that age, you kind of fall in love with either the university or the experience you might expect to have. And so, but when you kind of run the numbers on, you know, paying four years out of, out of state compared to four years at in state, just straight up, it can get pretty uh, outrageous. So I like right, right there, Adam, you made a great point. I also like how, Apparently, you got really good SAT scores, so I'm impressed with that. Eleven <laughs> <laughs> hundred combined math, math and reading. <laughs> so I just made. Show the me the money, Nevada. Show me the money. <laughs> um, yeah, one thing, Roger, you hit on the psychology is really clear that humans are bad at evaluating long-term costs and much prefer to evaluate short-term costs or short-term rewards. So, yeah, if you ask an 18-year-old, if you say, like, hey, all you have to do is borrow $150,000 and you're going to go to your dream school, that's really easy for them to evaluate, right? It's that short-term reward of going to the dream school. It's a lot harder to say, well, at a 5% annual interest rate, you'll be paying $1,000 a month for the next 19 years. They're only 18 years old, right? They, they can't even fathom what 19 years is like. So how are they supposed to understand paying off those loans for 19 years? There really is an interesting kind of short-term, long-term psychology aspect to the whole student loan issue. It's one thing that I like thinking about or like focusing on. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to, to be in that position. I think what makes it even harder, too, is you have in your mind what you expect to get, what type of job you expect to get out of college, right? And for example, I remember, you know, I'm dating myself here, but when I graduated and 2008 happened, you know, that was a bad year to try to look for a job, <laughs> you know? So it's like, sometimes you don't control, you can do everything right. You can do, you can study everything you want to study and, and, and set yourself up. But sometimes you don't control what the economy is doing and who's actually hiring and all that. So those play factors as well, you know, things that we can't really control. And that's, that's the difficulty of it. Wow, is this like five minutes I, of awkward I think, silence? I think Jesse was talking to himself that we'll get there. It's my bad. The, yeah, the, truth, the truth is I I, uh, <laughs> I took a screenshot to try to capture all the folks we had listening here today. Thank you to the folks listening, by the way. And then the screenshot goes into the lower left-hand corner of my screen and blocks the microphone symbol. Honest <laughs> to God. <laughs> Just wait for the little screenshot to disappear off my screen before I could unmute. But um, I th yeah, thanks to the listeners. There's actually a couple people I've seen here that I've seen before. Uh, 
couple of my favorite people in the world in here. So appreciate you guys. And that is awesome. Yeah. So I think we, we should end on that. I think we want to thank you all for being here. We really appreciate you guys listening in. If you ever want to listen to this stuff again, we do post podcasts of all our previous episodes and we're going to be posting a podcast of this episode. Uh, if you enjoyed what you listened into today, please give us all a follow on Twitter. And with that, I'm going to let the floor be open to the rest of you guys. Jesse, you're the most attractive guy in the group. Appreciate you hosting. Have a good day, guys. I'm insulted. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a good chat with you guys. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Nice talking to you all. Thank you all for coming. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, Good talking to you guys. Thanks for thanks for listening, everybody. Great week, great week, guys. Bye, bye for now. Thank you.